Welcome to FitChicks Chat brought to you by FitChicks Academy, where we help heart-centered women who love health and fitness get certified as fitness and nutrition coaches and build amazing businesses. Our goal is to educate and empower women to take control of their lives through our weekly podcast where we talk about fitness, nutrition, mindset, and wellness. I am one of your co-hosts, Amanda Quinn. I'm the co-founder of FitChicks Academy, a certified personal trainer, yoga instructor, business coach, and a mom. In each episode, you'll either hear from us together sometimes solo, as well as from top female experts in the fitness, nutrition, wellness field to educate and empower you to take control of your health and your life. Now let's dive into this week's episode of Fit Chicks Chat, where we have the amazing Kathleen Trotter joining us. Kathleen Trotter is a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, and author of Finding Your Fit, a compassionate trainer's guide to making fitness a lifelong habit and your fittest future self. Kathleen has been a personal trainer and fitness expert for more than 15 years. She writes publications, including the Huffington Post, and makes regular TV and media appearances, including CTV News, CHCH News, the CBC, Rogers Ottawa, Global Montreal, and Rogers London. Kathleen is currently flying to Montreal regularly for a monthly segment on breakfast television. In addition, she has written for the Globe and Mail, Impact Magazine, Participation, Breathe, Alive, Canadian Running, Today's Parent, Chatelaine, and Glow, and for the six years, she was featured as personal trainer in the Globe and Mail's online Fitness Basics weekly web series and included in the Globe's weekly newsletter for subscribers. Kathleen holds an MSc in Exercise Science from the University of Toronto and a Nutrition Diploma from the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. Kathleen is currently working to become a life coach and a certified nutrition coach through Precision Nutrition. Welcome to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast, where we talk all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness for women to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. And now, your hosts, Laura Jackson and Amanda Quinn. Hey everyone, welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. I'm Amanda Quinn, and on today's podcast, I have the amazing Kathleen Trotter joining me again. Hi, Kathleen. Hello. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. It's always such a nice way to start an interview when somebody calls you amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you and I have had some really great chats over the, you know, over the course, I guess about the past year and a half, we've been in contact and we've been doing a few different interviews. And I think that the information that you always share with us is so helpful for our listeners. So I'm really excited to have you back. And also excited to share that you have a new book coming out. I do. I have a new book. Yes. Yeah. So why don't you tell us, like, I want to know a little bit more about this book. So why don't you tell us my elevator chat? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I have the elevator pitch. I I need the cold notes version. (laughs) So the new book is called Your Fittest Future Self. And I think one of the main takeaways is that your fitter future self starts now. Um, Now is the only moment you have true control over. And I think, especially with health and wellness, we spend a lot of time thinking and not a lot of time acting. And that's part of the issue is that we're like, oh my God, I've spent so much time on my health. You feel really overwhelmed. And when you really get down to the nuts and bolts, you haven't really done much, but your whole day is being consumed with thinking about like, oh, I shouldn't eat that, or I should do this, or I should be doing this and feeling guilt and shame. So the book really breaks down how to create choices now that will allow you to create a fitter future self. And two of the words that are really important to remember um, is the concept of creating and the concept of unique. So you have to create a fitter future self. It doesn't just happen. And it has to be the fitter future self that you want to be, which sounds obvious, but actually is not that obvious. Like a lot of times when I say to people, okay, well, what's your version of fit? Like, who do you want to be? They're like, well, what do you mean? I just don't want to be fit. I'm like, well, there's a lot of versions of fit uh, and it has to be unique to you. So the other main sort of philosophy of the book is that there's no one perfect diet or workout or motivational strategy, that there's pros and cons to everything. And it's about knowing which pros are going to work for you and then which cons you should stay away from. So the book, we create three um, mixes. So you create a work mix, you create a nutrition mix, and then you create your mindset mix. And all three of those together create your you mix. So I take you through all the different workouts available, all the different diets available, and all the different motivational strategies available. And I walk through what are the pros, what are the cons, so you can come um, and 
educated uh, mix maker, right? And then by the end of the book, you're like, oh, I know how to look at any diet out there and be like, okay, should I do this? Should I not? What aspects should I do? Um, That's cool. It was really, yeah, it's really cool, right? Mm-hmm. Because so often people are like, well, I need to find the perfect thing, right? And I was like, well, there's no perfect thing. And that perfect thing also, even if you could find the perfect thing, which doesn't exist, but let's say you could find it, <laughs> it's going to change, right? Like what you need in your 20s is different than in your 30s. It's just even in your 40s. Um, and what you need when you're in a really busy time at work is different than when you're in like on a vacation, right? Like the tools that you need are going to change. Mm-hmm. So, but if you have some guiding principles, if you know, okay, well, awareness really works for me. Uh, becoming a busy multitasker really works for me when I'm really busy at work. So I then, you know, I walk at lunch and I get my steps. I do some workouts at the office. But then when I'm less busy at work, I know that I really love being um, on a team sport, right? So it built on that idea of my first book, which was find the fitness personality that works for you, but it goes beyond that. It looks at diet and it looks at uh, mindfulness, what's going on in your head. Because really what goes on up here is what allows you to take what you want to turn it and turn it into action. I was going to say like, you know, a lot of people don't really recognize how important the mindset stuff, like we all know, like we all instinctively know that like the fitness stuff and the nutrition stuff, if you don't have those two, then you're kind of going to be struggling. Like we all kind of know that. Right. And a lot of times we turn to trainers because it's like, yeah, we know, but we don't really know what's best for us. Or we don't know what's best fit, like you said, or we just aren't motivated enough or make ourselves accountable enough to do it on our own. So that's kind of the fitness and nutrition, but the, the mindset stuff, if you are not in the right mindset, What happens in my mind, it's never going to happen or it'll happen for a very short period. And then you'll always revert back to your old habits because you haven't changed up here to match your new lifestyle. So what is something that you would say like in your book, like what do you share in terms of like the mindset stuff? Like what is that biggest shift that needs to happen? Do you think? Well, First of all, I really say to myself always a uh, Tony Robbins quote, which is just basically knowledge plus $4 will maybe get you a cup of coffee, right? It's like, it's <laughs> not about the knowing, it's about how to implement the knowing. So that's the first thing. And then I always say to myself, Kathleen, thoughts are not facts and thoughts are not acts. So let me pa- unpack that a bit. Um, when you have a thought often like, oh, I want that cookie or I'm not, you know, I'm Oh, I, I suck. And well, I, I already yeah. had a couple of minutes well, five more, or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, people often think, well, those are facts or I have to act on it, right? Like, well, somebody will say, but I really wanted it. Well, just because you think that you want that cookie doesn't mean you can't say, okay, I'm going to embrace the, what I call the power of the pause. And, yeah. you know, that means take 30 minutes, go for a walk, get involved in something else, like play a board game with your spouse, right? Do something fun. Or if you're at a party, say, I'm going to take a five minute pause um, and walk away because that distance is going to give you the power to say, you know what, that's something I want, but I don't have to act on all my wants. So I really like having little, I call them sort of motivational hashtags, things that I know work for me that I say to myself when I want to do something that I know my future self is not going to want, like not going to be happy with, right? Right. So thoughts are not acts. Um, Thoughts are not facts is one really big one. When I want to skip a workout, I say, Kathleen, your future self is always going to be happier if you move. Um, The thing is, is if you want to sit and watch a movie on the sofa, for example, I'll say, Kathleen, you can do that, but first you have to move for 20 minutes because you're going to enjoy the sitting and relaxing so much more if you've already moved, right? right? Or I say, you're in a bad mood. Okay, well, that's even more reason to go for a walk. So I have these sort of pre-created hashtags. Sometimes I actually put them on sticky notes and I put them around my house. I have them on my phone. But I have them ready to go because when you're in a state of like, oh, I want that cookie or I want to skip a workout, you don't want to have to waste cognitive energy trying to come up with reasons why you should work out. Like they have to just be there. Yeah. Um, so one of the really big, you know, people that listen to this get anything set up systems now that save yourself from your lesser self. Meaning when you have the cognitive energy, put together something like a plug and playlist, which is exercises you can do in five minutes and 10 minutes and 15 minutes. So if you have five minutes, you just go to your list. You don't have to think about it, right? Put together hashtags that you can use when you don't want to work out. Like really think, okay, what are systems that I can employ that are going to help me in the future? So for me, 
I know I can resist chocolate all the way until about 11 o'clock. And then I'm like, oh my God, I want chocolate. But <laughs> um, because I know if I have chocolate in my house, I'm going to eat that chocolate, right? <laughs> 11 o'clock hits. And like, I'm not going to go out to the store at 11 o'clock at night, especially like I live in Toronto. It gets cold in the winter. Like there's no way I'm putting on my hat and my boots and everything, right? Yeah. So if I want some chocolate, I have it um, on a special occasion when I'm at my mom's or, you know, it's, it's something special. Or if I know that I don't go to the gym um, after work because I get too hungry, um, then I'll make sure I pack like a three o'clock snack, right? Or for me, I sleep in my exercise clothes because I know that if I wake up and I'm already in my clothes and I'm set to work out and I start to go through that negative brain propaganda of like, oh, I don't want to. I'm like, I'm already in my clothes. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I do is I set my alarm often across the room. So I have to get up to turn the alarm off. So then I'm like, well, I'm already up. I'm already in my exercise clothes and whatever. I might as well go. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just about kind of knowing yourself, that personal literacy, knowing who you are, the reasons why you might not work out, and then setting up the systems now. Setting yourself up for success, essentially, ahead of time. Absolutely. Kind of, yeah. So that's totally. going to help you be your fittest future self in that. Exactly. So you turn, so you wake up tomorrow, and you're, like, feeling good about what you did today. Yeah. Right? So it's... Yeah. When you were talking often, about... Oh, sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I was going to say, when you were talking about the three mixes, too, yeah. now, do you cover, like, all of the kind of, like, fad diets as well, or are you just focusing more on, like, strategic eating? Do you know what I mean? Like, the difference, like, strategic eating more, like... Um, Absolutely. I do a yeah. range of everything. Like, I have okay. some... I'll have, like, the Mediterranean diets in there. There's intermittent fasting. There's... There's yeah. a range of things that go through the, you know, what are the positives of having food delivery services? What are the positives of oh. weight watchers? So um, now the problem is, is that there are some fads that I would find a hard time even finding a positive for. So things like that, I almost, I think <laughs> I correctly, I sort of lumped them all in um, to one. I don't remember exactly, but I definitely know that it's not just, um, it's not just like quick fixes. Um, it, there's a huge range. Like I go through everything from like the GI index, uh, which is glycemic index. So understanding how foods impact your blood sugar. And then I talk about like, I talk about my mix. So I talk about how I've picked from different things. So uh, for example, one of the things I love about intermittent fasting, um, I do a 12 hour window where I don't eat. I eat from eight until eight. Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful for me because I would hardly ever reach for something unhealthy between eight and eight. It's after eight o'clock at night when I'm sitting on the sofa, I'm feeling like, oh my God, I've had such a long day. Yeah. Well, I could possibly have like an extra serving of whatever. Mm -hmm. um, really, honestly, no good food is put in your mouth after eight o'clock at night, in my mind. Now, <laughs> will I if there's an important event for like my mother, for example, my mother graduated from a psychology, like a program, school program a couple months ago and her party was after eight o'clock. So of course, like I ate it. It's not like I'm like crazy about it, but in general, one of the, I think, benefits of intermittent fasting is it sort of sets you up for success if you know that you're a late night eater. And so many people, you know, I'm a nutritionist and I go through uh, food diets with a lot of people. And honestly, they have great breakfast they have great lunches they have great dinners and then it's like the little nibbling after and after dinner so if you just say like after dinner that's it and like I always eat before eight o'clock so that's for me I sleep better because I'm not trying to digest my food so that would be what I would say like would be a pro in the book I talk about that as a pro of intermittent fasting is that it just sets rules that are um, for some people easier to follow. And I go through in the book, like who might benefit from like rule bound philosophies like that. Whereas who needs to be a little bit more flexible. Right. Um, my mom is an example because she's the type of person that she really likes to have like one bite of a shortbread cookie. Right. And if you said to her, you had two cookies out of the house, she would feel so deprived that she would then go to the store and eat like 10 shortbread cookies, right? <laughs> so I can't have it in the house, but she has to have a little bit of a shortbread like every single day. Yeah. So, so much of it's knowing you. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I do go through lots of different diets and I talk about the mix that works for me and I talk about the pros and the cons. And um, 
Yeah, it, the book was actually inspired by a conversation. I was sitting getting my nails done with my best friend, Emily. And she always, whenever we meet, she always sort of brings me her questions about different like fad diets and fad programs. And, and mm-hmm. not even fad, because fad makes it sound like it's 100% terrible, but just like the thing that's in the media at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, she was like, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I was saying, well, this is good if you're this type of person and this is good if you're that type of person. But like if you're highly, you know, motivated by... Um, competition, then that's not going to work. Or if you're somebody who, um, you know, can't go more than five hours without food because of like blood sugar control or whatever, then that would be bad. Or then all this, she kind of looked at me and she's like, oh, well, so like really what I need is like a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly. She's like, so it's sort of like I need to create like a, a mess, a, a mix. Like I need my own recipe. And I was like, yes. She's like, look. And I was like, that should be a book. <laughs> yes, that was the inspiration for, for cool. that. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Yeah. And okay, so I have to ask, just yes. to, I, I have to put you in this hot seat for a second. What is one of the fad diets or um, sort of nutritional, I guess, ways of eating that is out there right now that you would have a hard time finding any kind of pro for? You mentioned uh, you have a few, but I just, I'm curious to have just one. one yeah, Dr. Bernstein. I'm really, really negative about Dr. Yay. Bernstein. <laughs> it's very hard to find anything positive about that. I would say a general rule is that any nutritional program that says you must come in for vitamin infusions, you have a problem. Right? If you're not eating enough food, that you're not getting enough vitamins, run away. Like, and really- that you're not supposed to work out. Like you're... Yeah. My- what the so my parents did Dr. Bernstein years ago, like years ago. And I was like, no, 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 no. And they're like, no, we're going to do it. And my mom was miserable. She was mean. My mom's like the nicest person. She was mean on this thing. She lost a ton of weight, of course, because she was eating. They had her on a diet of like 800 calories a day. Ridiculous. Like all I'm eating is like salad with fat-free Italian dressing and jello and sugar-free jello. And like, I was like, don't even have like, it's not even like real, like she wasn't even really consuming real food. It was just like lots of like weird sugar-free jello and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, it made me so sad. And then she ended up, of course, she ended up getting, um, really bad blood sugar issues afterwards because of all of, um, just like when you do anything, when you're messing with all of like your hormones and everything, you're going to have like problems after. So she had that after, but then also she gained it all right back when she decided to like, okay, I can't live like this. I need to eat like a normal person. That's it. Not sustainable. So, okay. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a couple of clients who've done in the past Bernstein and honestly, it's quite scary what happens to their body. They're the people who have really chronic injuries because they, for so long, they do this cycle of really, really, really strict, restricting calories. Mm-hmm. And then when they go back to regular eating, either they go way the other way and then start to eat like 3000 calories a day, mm-hmm. um, or even they just go back to normal eating. And the problem is, is their normal has then shifted. So they're eating like 1500 calories a day, which should be good for them. But because their body's used to living on eight, hundred calories they then gain weight even on like what would be normal and then they have to go back and then they lose it again but they don't lose quite as much and then it's this sort of they're trending in an upwards direction so even though they keep they will go back and lose it you know and it's um and then they dangerous and they have low sort of like depression and low mood and you know you need vitamins and minerals like it's so important you know 100 calories from jello or a cookie or like a protein shake is not the same as 100 calories from like really high dense and high quality food, right? Because the vitamins and minerals in food are coenzymes, they're cofactors, they help metabolic um, processes. Like your body only thrives when all of those things are there. Yeah. No, exactly. That's exactly it. It's just, okay, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that we like, like I have to say, I do understand why people can gravitate to those, those because well, can feel really, really, it's overwhelming. And if you have wanted to lose weight for a long time, or if you've struggled with your weight, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really, it can be very 
discouraging and demoralizing to sort of constantly feel like your brain is thinking about something, but it's not like you're constantly thinking, I need to lose weight. I need to get healthier, but you're not sort of doing anything about it. And then you feel crappy and you feel low energy. And so finally you're just like, well, this is going to be a quick fix. Like I get, I really do get it. Oh, I totally get Um, it too. And I'm not not long-term helpful because it just sets you up in five or 10 years. It's going to be even harder for you to lose the weight. Like it doesn't, those diets don't make it easier in the long term, right? Yeah. Who's struggling with your weight now at 20, 30, 40, you do that diet now, your future self is going to be even harder for you to lose weight. Exactly. Now, and, and to be clear for anyone listening, we're not saying, you know, if you are, if you are someone who is really struggling and you just really want a quick fix, like we're not, we're not speaking poorly towards you and your decision making. We're just saying that there are other options that can be more lasting. Maybe they don't provide the results as quickly, but they will provide you with lasting results that are actually something that are sustainable that you can actually live. Sure. And that's, and yeah. that I think is when we're thinking about even your book or even the idea of, you know, your fittest future self, it's like you want to find something that is going to help your future. And yeah. this, that type of dieting and that type of behavior is not going to help you in the yeah. big picture of things. The big now, I'll say two things that add to that. There's one thing that, um, I like to think, you know, think about the last coin that makes you rich kind of thing. Like, yes, you might be, oh, like now I'm a millionaire, but all the coins that came before really make a difference. So I think a lot of time with health and wellness, we want to have that one thing where the next day we wake up healthy. And I think that that's very problematic. Like it is a process. It is a journey. Mm -hmm. um, And everybody it's long-term. And especially if you've taken, you know, 15, 20 years to build unhealthy habits, it's going to take time to build healthier habits. So I think part of it is just realistic expectations are the key to success and happiness. So if you have the expectation that it is a long-term approach, but that it is this like wonderful privilege to be able to take that long-term approach, that would be the yeah. first thing. Um, and I second, love that. I love that analogy too. That's great. Yeah, it is. It's a good thing. And it's a good thing to keep in your brain. Like it's okay. Yeah. This, this might not be the, the coin that makes me feel like I'm a millionaire, but it is leading towards that feeling. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, it's just, I do say in my book that there are programs that I may be less like gung ho about, but if that's what you need in this moment, that's okay. Um, as long as it's sort of building, like trending in the right direction. So, right. you know, I, I might say I'm not a huge fan of something like a Jenny Craig, right? Because there's a lot of it's processed food. There's a lot of sodium and like that stuff. But if you say to me, okay, Kathleen, I, this is what I really feel I need for this next month because I feel like I'm off the rails and I feel like this is going to give me a sense of control. I'm going to say, great, go on it. Like I'm not denigrating anything and everybody is in a different place in their process. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you need that, go for it. But but just try to get away from thinking that it's like you do that and it's a quick fix and then you'll be on it for the rest of your life um, and know that it's one step trend forward in your, your positive process, you know? So right. it's, yeah, knowing where you are, even something like food delivery services for a lot of people, that's really useful. Um, you know, by, yeah. So, um, so knowing you and doing that and then just making sure that you're using a, a food delivery service that, you know, uses the best high nutritious, you know, food available, yeah. but also knowing that it doesn't teach you how to prepare your own stuff. So you have to think, okay, this might be good for when I'm at home, but what do I do when I travel? What do I do when I'm on vacation? What I do? So again, it's the idea of like respecting where you are now and what you need now, but at the same time having enough foresight to be like, okay, this is giving me food. Like we'll use the food delivery service, right? You just have to put it in front of you and you eat it. Um, but you're not learning like what is a portion of fish to cook it? Like what is a portion of veggies? What are all those things? So then you go to a dinner party, you might still overeat or you go on vacation, you might still overeat. So like use the food delivery service for sure, but also try to be aware enough to to look down and don't just gobble it up. Be like, Oh, interesting. That piece of fish is about the size of my hand. Okay. So maybe that's the size of a portion size. Okay. So when I'm out at dinner at a dinner party, once I've had the size of my hand, then I think, okay, I'm done now. Right. So you you have to, yeah, take big picture. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a really, really good point because I know for me, like food delivery service for myself, I use it strategically. It's not about an everyday Yes, It is. It has to be strategic. It's like when I know that we've got a launch coming up and I'm working like crazy, that's my go-to is like my whole family. Cause I'm like, 
I already know that like the first thing that's going to go out the window is meal prepping because all my time is spent on this launch period. And so I need to just be able to set us up for success and have healthy meals, et cetera. So I'm like, I use it for a two week window or a week window or maybe a month window, but I use it for a strategic period of time. But I also have other tools like other busy times. I just use the slow cooker. (laughs) That's like my go-to. I have it cooking right now. I have dinner ready. It's like I made some delicious soup today. Oh, like, yeah. Nine in the morning and it's going to be ready in an hour. <laughs> you know? No, I think it's such a good point of right. like strategic of different places in your life. And, yeah. um, and also it sort of goes with in finding your fit. I talk about that with um, working out. Like if you decide that your non-negotiables are healthy eating, um, sort of positive, productive self-talk and working out, and those are non-negotiables, then you're like, okay, how am I going to make that happen? Exactly. So in fit, I talk about like, if you're at a really crazy busy time at work, then maybe you become um, a busy multitasker. So you exercise, but you do it at work or, you know, you get your steps knowing that when you're less busy at work, you might work out at the gym or you might work out at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing with nutrition. Like, as you said, so you're really crazy at work, then you decide, okay, so this period, because healthy eating is a non-negotiable to make that non-negotiable happen i have to do a food delivery service yeah. right or a <laughs> slow cooker or whatever it is exactly um, and i know if i'm going into a stressful time it's the same thing i do with my mindfulness like i know that working towards a healthy productive self-talk is really important for me so mm-hmm. if i'm the more stressed i am the more i try to carve out you know five minutes for some deep breathing some meditation um listening to mindfulness of self-help apps as I walk to a meeting. Um, anything that's going to just really, again, it's setting yourself up for success. The stre- more stressed I am, the more I make sure that I make time for exercise and, and all that kind of stuff. So again, it's knowing you and knowing what's going to make you feel better about yourself. Definitely. No, and I think, you know, just to, to wrap this part up, like, you know, one of the things that I think is really important is what you said about like, you know, it's, it's almost the idea of like meeting yourself where you are. Like I say, I say this to trainers all the time when I'm coaching trainers, like with our certification program, we are teaching people how to become certified trainers. One of the things I always say is you have to meet your clients where they are. You can't force them to be here when they're just starting here, right? Like you have to meet them where they are to make them feel accountable as well as to make them feel accomplished. So they're not overwhelmed so that they feel successful and they want to continue. But it's the same thing with yourself. You have to meet yourself where you are. You have to say, okay, maybe, you know, I'm at this place right now and that's okay. And maybe that shifts in like a month from now, things get moved forward. But as long as you're moving forward in like in the right direction consistently, regardless of how small the steps are, just know that you're moving forward and keep meeting yourself that way to continue that in that path. Unless you're going to get frustrated and overwhelmed and stressed. Yeah. I think it's the, it's sort of the idea of appropriate expectations of yourself that meet yourself where you are. Um, Think of it sort of like a grade school analogy, right? Like if you were in grade one, you wouldn't expect yourself to do OAC math or I'm I'm dating myself. There's no longer OAC, grade 12. (laughs) So I say that to my clients all the time. They come in and they're like so discouraged that they can't run 10K or they can't do 45 pushups or they can't, right? And I say, well, why would you expect yourself to be able to do that? Like you've never run a day in your life, right? You were literally in preschool running, right? So as long as you go from preschool to grade one to grade two to grade three, then you're trending positive and you should be so proud of yourself. It's realistic expectations, right? Um, So that's sort of a little bit of parenting yourself and it goes all back to productive self-talk. Like what is going on between your to in here is so important because if you are motivated to exercise, but you expect yourself to do a 10 K run, you go out for a 10 K run. You've never run before your heart and lungs are about to explode. Then the next day you can hardly walk. That is going to be extremely discouraging. And then you're going to stop. But if you say, Oh, I'm only in grade one running. I'm going to do one minute run, three minute walk. And I'm going to do that for 20 minutes. Then you finish and you're like, I did really well. Pat myself on the back. And then the next day you want to do it again. Right? So yeah, meet yourself where you are. I love that. Um, and realistic expectations like are really the key to happiness and motivation and con- and continuous growth. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Now, going back to your book, in your book, on page number 10, you have an image that's called the Kathleen Cycle. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yes. So one of my favorite main takeaways from the book is that it is all a process and life is all about learning and growth and all experiences are just data. So the the cycle basically is you act. So let's take 
um, you have a cookie. You're out shopping, you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. You had a cookie. And yes. then you say to me, well, I had to have a cookie. I was really hungry. Okay. So then I would say, okay, so did you have to have a cookie? What, why did you have to have a cookie? Well, cause I was so hungry. Okay. So I might say, if you had your child with you, would have you packed almonds or something for that child? So the child wouldn't get super hungry. Well, of course I would have, the mother would say, right. I do this a lot with moms. How, yeah. <laughs> I'm a mom. I get it. Yeah. So I've, always, I've always got like a million snacks with me. For right. Me. Exactly. Right. Because we're often much better at, um, caring for others. Hating. Exactly. Caring for others and anticipating needs for others than we are for ourselves. So I would say, okay, so let's reflect on this. I wonder if you were really, really hungry because you didn't eat a good enough lunch. So maybe you mean you need to take a healthier lunch. Maybe you take leftovers from the night before. Maybe you were really, really hungry because you skipped lunch. Maybe you were really, really hungry because um, you did a workout and then didn't have a healthy snack, right? So all of these things, if you'd anticipated them in the future, you could have had an apple, you could have had some almonds, you could have had something with you, and then you wouldn't have had to have the cookie. Because uh, the problem is, is sugar creates more want for sugar. So if you have a cookie at three o'clock, then you're going to probably want a sugary snack after dinner, right? So that would be the reflection piece. So like, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. um, again, it goes back to sort of what we talked about before is that, you know, thoughts are not acts, right? And thoughts are not facts. So just because you think, oh, I need a cookie or I want a cookie, like none of that was preordained. Like you didn't have to need that cookie right right so we would take our time we sort of reflect on why you needed to have the cookie and then um you take that knowledge so then the next time you could have a more appropriate response so maybe the next time you carry almonds in your purse or you have that healthier lunch right um and it just goes with i've really been influenced by carol dweck's work on a growth mindset so the idea that whatever it's using the word yet. So I am not great at snacking at three o'clock, having healthy snacks at three o'clock yet, right? right? So you open up the possibility that with more knowledge, you can be better at that. And that's a much more positive way of thinking about it. Now, it's not just going to happen by wishing it. You have to take actionable steps to create it. But right. it's just this idea that every experience is data. Um, and what it does is it takes away the shame, right? So you have to divorce your behavior from who you are as a person. So instead of I had a cookie at three o'clock, I'm a really, I'm a bad person. And then therefore that creates a shame spiral of like, well, if I'm a bad person, I might as well have another cookie. And then another Literally all the cookies. Fine, right? Yeah. Instead, it's like, oh, I did a bad behavior. The cookie wasn't a great choice. So then it's like, okay, well, if it was a behavior, how do I choose a different behavior next time? How can I learn more about myself and my day? So that doesn't happen. Um, and it goes back to sort of this idea of the health being a process is that, you know, there's no end result. Like we don't get to health and then we stop. Like health is <laughs> the privilege of living. You have the privilege of learning about yourself, your, your, you know, your, what's going on in, on in your head and what's going on in your body. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can always be learning and reflecting. And then it's just that cycle. So that's like, okay. So then you're like, okay, well, I'll have some almonds in my purse. And then let's say the next day you have almonds in your purse, but you still decide to have a cookie. Then you're like, okay, interesting. So maybe it wasn't that I was um, hungry because I didn't have a good lunch. Maybe it's because I I'm actually kind of sad at three o'clock and I don't love my job. Um, right. I'm not feeling motivated. Okay. So then how can I make myself feel more motivated? And then maybe I won't want sugar, right? Like, so it's, again, it's this whole, this constant cycle of you act and you reflect, and then you take appropriate steps to change the action. Mm -hmm. um, and you, so it helps you get out of that shame spiral of I'm a bad person. And instead it's the idea of like, I did, I did something I'm not proud of, but I can learn. And that behavior I want can happen right uh, and it's again um it's the growth mindset of carol dweck it's also the idea that brene brown talks a lot about of the difference between guilt and shame so guilt guilt can be a very positive thing like okay i had a cookie i'm not proud of that that doesn't make me feel good so that can for some people be very motivating shame is not as motivated. Well, no, it's not motivated. All of Brene Brown's work shows, right? So shame is I'm a bad person. Guilt is I did not a great action. Guilt you can learn from. Shame is not. So that's why shame I love is like it. this deep ingrained stuff that you kind of it's like your self belief almost. Exactly. It's a, yeah, exactly. Shame is connected to who you are as a person. And if you start to feel like you're a bad person, it's like, well, if I'm already a bad person. Then I might as well just have ten more cookies and a glass of wine and stay up until three in the morning eating food and like whatever, because I'm just validating the belief I already have, which is that I'm a 
bad human being, right? Where guilt is like, okay, I did this bad action and I can learn from it. And um, it kind of goes with, I was listening to the Michelle Obama interview um, with Oprah and she talks about the idea that failure is a belief before it's an action. And I think in that sense, failure connection to sort of like the idea of shame, right? Like, so if you have a belief that you are a failure as a human being versus you failed at a particular act and therefore you can learn from the act, right? So that's that. And if you have the belief of failure, if you have the belief of being a bad person, if you have the belief of shame, if that is a core value of who you are, then you're just going to choose things like cookies and cakes and skipping workouts that, again, um, reaffirm that value in yourself. Right. So I love that cycle because it just means that like, if you do something you're not proud of, like I've done things that I'm not proud of all the time. Um, we go back to me not eating it after 8 o'clock at night. I do sometimes eat after eight o'clock and I eat too much and I feel crappy and then I go to bed, I don't sleep as well. And I wake up in the morning and I think, okay, I could feel real shame over this and I could let this shame spiral and this could lead to a really bad day where I could say, this is data and this is reaffirming the fact that I don't feel good when I go to bed on a full stomach. Like it just doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. Um, so then I say, okay, Kathleen, the next time you want to eat after eight o'clock at night, you say, you, your future self is not going to be happy. And then you sort of think back to all of the instances that you did the action that made you feel crappy. Mm -hmm. that, that will hopefully inspire you to not do it again. So it's that whole reflection and it's that whole, like really being aware because with awareness brings choice. Like you can't change a health choice until you're aware of what you're currently doing. So if you're not aware that you feel crappy eating after eight o'clock at night, um, then you can't change that behavior. And again, I say eight o'clock. I mean, yeah. sometimes it's 30, sometimes I go to parties. Okay. Like, the concept of like, I know, I know what'll make me happy in the future and I know what won't. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have to find ways to take the pause in the moment and be like, okay, this is not going to be ha make me happy tomorrow. And how do you think, like, do you find just like journaling or tracking is the best way for people to decide that? Because I think that you had a really powerful point. I mean, all of this is very powerful, but I mean, the, the point of like understanding that this doesn't work for me, this doesn't make me feel good. Sometimes it's like, you need a reminder of it. Sometimes the mental reminder doesn't always happen. And like, sometimes people don't even recognize, they don't even know, like I know, I'll use fast food as an example. There's a lot of people that eat fast food still, right? And I, when I see that, I'm like, okay, but when I see them lined up at a drive-thru at lunchtime, I'm like, how do they go back to their desk and work for the rest of the day? Like, how? I would be like, head down. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, my like, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> when is it going to end? You know, and I'd feel terrible, and I'd be like, I have to lay down now. Like, it just no good. Like, and I know that. I know that that's how this food makes me feel. A lot of people don't even associate, don't even understand that it's the food that's making them feel that way, or it's the lack of movement that's making them feel angry or um like energetically uncomfortable like, you know what i mean like there's just there's sometimes where people are don't even have that they don't even understand the association so how do you get people to understanding that association you know i think it just goes back to our earlier point that it depends on the person and it's about finding like trying as many methods as you can until you find what works for you and that yeah. method will change so for some people a habit app on their phone works really well. Mm -hmm. um, like, okay, did I eat when I'm hungry? Did I stop eating when I was full? How do I feel? For some people, a food journal really works. Um, I use what's called an X versus Y journal with a lot of my clients. Um, so meaning a lot of people have an averse, like they don't want to write down everything they eat. Uh, and so what I get them to do is put sort of big circles, three big ones for meals and two little ones for snacks. And then they don't have to write anything in the circle if they felt like they stopped eating when they were full, they ate when they were hungry, and they felt pretty good afterwards. But if they feel afterwards that sort of food coma, if they feel too full, if they feel like they kept going even though they were um, – full, if they felt like they were eating because they were sad or angry, then they have to put an X through it and then write a description beside it mm -hmm. um, and then show me that. And then we talk about the cool. description. Um, whereas if they did everything right, they can either leave it blank or they can put like a Y, like, yes, I did it. It's great. You know, I yeah. listen to my body signals. Um, cool. 
So that works for some people, but you know, for some people, um, journaling at night, a gratitude journal or a journal of like what they did right versus what they would needs improvement, you know? So sometimes I will say to somebody, okay, at the end of the night, write down three things that you felt you did really well with your health. And then three Mm -hmm. things you feel like you could improve on. Sometimes it's about also being awareness of what you did well, so you can replicate those things. Yeah. Yeah. Some people find that just waking up in the morning and just doing a stream of consciousness writing for a couple pages about everything they feel about sort of food and emotions. And then they don't even have to keep the journal. They can rip it up. Um, But just like getting it out there makes them more aware. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I really think it is different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that really helped for me was... um, uh, a scale of one to 10 journal. And actually my therapist got me to do this. So it, like maybe 10 or 15 years when I was working with her, uh, she said, okay, so before every workout, before every meal and before every work day, you're going to, you're going to put out scale of one to 10, how you feel. And then a scale mm-hmm. of one to 10 after. And what I learned from that is I always feel better after a day of work. Cause at that time of my life, I was really struggling with depression and it was hard for me to get to work. And her right. point was that people like your job energizes you cause you love it. So right. now in the morning, if I ever wake up and I'm feeling like energetically low, I say, Kathleen, you'll always feel better when you go to work. So I did that. I did that same thing for working out. I put, um, you know, if I was like a one before a workout and then I'd say, okay, well after workout, I feel like a six. And then again, I can look at that data. Like I still have that journal. I can look at that data and I can say, I always have a higher number post-workout. Um, and then same thing. I did that for a couple of weeks, even just with my food. So I journaled, okay, like when did I feel better after eating? And it was when I was mindful and and I stopped eating when I was full and when I didn't eat, like all of those things. So again, it's, it's about gathering data. So that really worked for me, but it like, everyone is so different. Some people love tracking everything in their phone. Some people hate using their phone for things. Some people like just saying like, I want to take a couple deep breaths before I eat anything. Um, some people like saying, I'm going to do no, like standing eating, no TV eating, like every, all the food has to be mindful. You know, they're not going to eat as they walk. Um, so I just doing like a food preparation on Sunday really works mm-hmm. because if you prepare, like, if you think about it in advance, that makes you automatically more mindful about it. Right. And if you have course, yeah. prepared in your fridge, if it's like, okay, you get home and you're like, well, I could have a microwave pizza, but I've already cut up all these vegetables and I have the chicken and I can just easily make a salad. Like making healthy food as convenient as unhealthy food. So, oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) Honestly, it's about knowing you and it's about knowing that if you try something and it doesn't work, great. That's awesome. That's data. And sometimes like bad data is just as important or actually more important than good data. Like, you know, I think understanding, yeah, understanding where you're having what doesn't work so that you don't do it. Yeah. You know, I I think it's a funny analogy, but I often put it uh, connected to dating. Like I had to date so many people who I was like, Oh, I would date you. So I could see so I would know like James, my partner is like amazing. And so many of the things that is amazing about him, I don't know if I would truly recognize them if I hadn't dated all these people that didn't have those qualities. Right. <laughs> uh, and I think it's the same thing about like food and nutrition and workouts. Like sometimes you have to do a workout that you really don't like. So yeah. then when you do a workout you really do like, you're like, Oh, okay. That's, that's my workout. That's my jam. You know? Oh no, I agree with you 100%. Cause I know even for me, like back I've been doing different things since I was 15 years old. I started with yoga. Then I did like belly dancing. I've done martial arts. Yeah. I've done martial arts. I've done like Aikido and like all these cool things. And like, I've done hit training. I've done running programs, everything, everything you could possibly think of. I pretty much have tried because I wanted to, other than sports, because I'm just not good at sports. (laughs) I had a really bad experience with sports, but (laughs) (laughs) um, but it, it was really important for me to do that. Even in yoga, I've tried almost every, well, not almost, I should not say that. I've just tried multiple not styles of yoga. I won't say almost every because there are so, so many, but I've tried multiple styles to find the one that fit, the one that made the most sense. Because once you find it, you're just like, this is it. And it feels good. And it feels exciting. 
right? As opposed to it feeling like a chore, it feels like a privilege. Like you say, like it's, I think of it as a privilege as well. The fact that I can move my body is a privilege. The fact that I have opportunity to do that is a privilege to me. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say yoga because yoga is one of those things that um, I've actually done TV segments that are a joke on how much I hate yoga. It's like, no. (laughs) And my first book, Finding Your Soul, is really about finding what works for you. Yeah. This moment, a couple months ago, actually, where somebody said something about, you know, yoga. And I was like, ah, I'm not a yogi. And then I was like, interesting, Kathleen, your new book is really based around the importance of curiosity and trying things on for size, because if you don't like it, you know, you, you didn't buy it for the rest of your life. Like you can try it and let go of what you don't like. Yeah. And the but really the second book really is about being curious. So I was like, why do you have this like aversion of like, I am not the type of person. And I really <laughs> clients unpack any sentence that's like, I am not that type, right? It's like, mm, yeah. that's So I actually made myself do a 21 day yoga challenge because I was like, do I not like yoga because I'm not good at it? Do I not like yoga because it's hard? (laughs) Do I not like it because it's hard? Like, what is it about it? Um, And I did the same thing as, you know, you said you tried various forms. So I tried a lot of different forms. I tried classes. I tried ones at home. I tried, and, um, and it was a wonderful experience because I realized that it's not only about finding your fit of type of thing you do like yoga versus Pilates versus running but within that type figuring out the sort of duration that works for you because what I realized is I actually don't dislike yoga what I dislike is the time investment of a 60 to 90 minute class plus travel for something that is not a 10 out of 10 of a love for me so what I've discovered is I actually really like yoga um, in 20 to 30 minute chunks mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. on like a podcast or I'm using right now daily om, which is like, has daily like Om's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm loving it. So post run, you know, a 15, 20 minute yoga session, a flow, you know, amazing. Oh, good. And so good. Really, I know what you mean though. It's a big, <laughs> yoga yeah. Session. And it was a good lesson for me because I was yeah. like, okay, I actually do like it. I just, I don't, at this point in my life, I don't have two to two and a half hours to dedicate to that. Yeah. Especially if it's not your thing. If it's not like your, if it's not the one thing, if that's your practice, it's a different story. Like when my practice, my practice is an hour and a half if I'm doing my sort of style yoga and it's like an hour and a half of practice. And then you know, a half hour commute back and forth. That's two and a half hours. It's a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah. So it has to be like, that's the thing. And if it's your thing, like my mom loves yoga and she would give up two and a half hours of her life. Um, but I just, that's, I'm not willing to prioritize it, but I love the 20 minutes at home and I have enough knowledge of the body that I can sort of figure it out on my own. You can do it. You can do it in a safe way too. But anyway, I just thought it was a wonderful, um, lesson for me as a, as a health practitioner that, you know, I, I have to walk my walk. I have to be curious about things. I have to try things on and I have to know that I'm getting older. So maybe the Kathleen in my twenties didn't love yoga, but maybe the Kathleen in my thirties thinks it's okay. And then the Kathleen in my forties, maybe with Kathleen in my forties, maybe she'll like love. Maybe you'll become a yoga teacher. Exactly. (laughs) No, I actually think. You don't know. You never know. No. And I think that again, it goes back to sort of the walking of the walk. It's like, I can't tell other people to try different things on for size and Mm -hmm. and curious and um, then not do it myself. And yeah, you know, what we love and what we like and and what we're willing to prioritize changes, you know, our fit changes throughout Mm -hmm. our lifetime. No, that's so great. Now, going back to your book for one second too, I wanted to ask you, you do, um, in your book, you do use a lot of references to other authors, thinkers in your book. Um, And also even just in conversation, you know, I know that you, you pay a lot of attention to what is happening in the world. You educate yourself in a lot of ways from other different, different people's ideas and philosophies. Can you talk about why you do this? Why this is important to you to do that and to share that information? And yeah. is there any in particular that you would actually, um, you know, recommend as really good resources? Absolutely. So I'll start with that. Um, my website, KathleenTrotter.com, actually has a section where I review my most loved books. So if you're looking for references for sort of health, self-help and development stuff, I would start there. Um, 
And it's one of the reasons why I'm really proud of my second book um, is that there's actually a whole chapter um, in it dedicated. It's almost like an annotated bibliography of all the people who inspired me. So you can go yeah. to the chapter and you can look at, you know, I think there's like 30 people in there and you can be like, oh, Renee Brown, she sounds interesting. Like, where would I find her? What book should I start with? Or Tim Ferriss, Kathleen talks about him a lot. Okay, interesting. He's written all these books, Tools of Titans, Four Hour Body, Four Hour Work Week. Oh, and he also has a podcast. So like, I love the second book for a lot of things that I say in it, but I also really like that section because I do think that mental health um, and our sort of brain, like our self-help, our our self-talk, all of that is a muscle that we need to strengthen every single day. Mm So I think a lot of people have bought into that you need daily physical practice. Like, you know, you have to walk daily, you have to stretch, all that stuff. That's a non-negotiable, but... I really believe that some type of mental stimulation and and work towards your mental health and what's going on in your brain because you're with yourself 24 hours a day and what goes on in here really influences what you do for the you know outside. So yeah. I really think it's really important and you know I talked at the beginning of this interview about how your fitter future self the book um, one of the key words is creating mm-hmm. um, and it goes with the creating creation of happiness and joy and you know I've struggled a lot throughout my life with depression and um, I believe that just as you know physical fitness is sort of made not found and motivation is made not found so is my happiness and my joy and you know happy is often the word people are like "Hmm, do you want to be happy all the time like happy is a weird word and I don't mean it in the like ah I'm not like this happy I mean yeah and positive and and that's something I really I create and one of the ways that I create that is by reading and listening to podcasts and being inspired by others and being inspired by other people's journey like listening to somebody like a Tim Ferriss or a Brené Brown um, or a Kristen Neff who are people that I respect so immensely yeah. and they talk in their books and their podcasts about how they're just human and they also suffer from depression and they also suffer from having bad days and they struggle. And, you know, that's really, really for me means the world. If I can respect somebody and know that they're still human, because then it allows me to respect myself while knowing I'm still human, you know? And I think that too often, um, Anne Lamont has this phrase where she says, we see our own warts, but other people's makeup face. And, I think that's really true. Like we see all the things that we're struggling with and it's so easy to tunnel into yourself and think that you're the only person that struggles and you're the only person who's had a bad mood and you're the only person who has pain in your knees or whatever it is. Right. And, um, it, and it's easy to think, well, if I have all those things that I'm a loser or I'm, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, you listen to these people who are so successful and they have fallen and they've gotten back up and they've learned and they've grown and they've had a hard time in their relationships and they've had a hard time at work. And, and that doesn't, that's, that's not a deviation from success. That's not a deviation from their life. Like that is life. Like that is the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how um, listening to people I respect just inspires me and it makes me a stronger, happier, healthier, more motivated version of myself. And Mm -hmm. I know that if I wake up and I'm in a bad mood, um, I have to create a better mood. And one of the things that's really helpful is listening to a motivational, somebody who I find motivating and going for um, like a workout. So those two things in the morning, even if it's a 10 minute walk while I listen to a podcast or a 20-minute run. Um, And it doesn't always have to be like self-help stuff. Like I love The Daily has a podcast. The New York Times has a podcast called The Daily and it's, you know, it's news-based, but it's, that even will put me in a better mood. It's just, it's getting out of myself and learning from others. I find really, really, really helpful. Um, Yeah, that inspires my work. That totally makes sense. And I think, you know, I just had this conversation with someone the other day talking about like, you're responsible for your own actions, regardless. You're responsible for you know, as, as adults, we are responsible for how we act and react to things. And that also includes not just outside things, but also internal. So if you are, like you said, waking up and you feel like you're in a bad mood or something, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to how you want to react to that. You have a choice to how you want to attach to it. You have a choice to how you want to act throughout your day. If you want to take that bad mood and take it out on other people externally, if you want to sit and dwell in it, I know that things, mental health is, I'm not taking this lightly by any means. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that mental health is something that you can just cure. But you have choices every day to try to help 
elevate right so i think the different or distinction i think it's an important thing for me to make anything anyways when i talk about mental health i'm not talking about like clinical depression and anxiety i'm Mm -hmm. not at all saying if you're clinically depressed just go for a walk that's not what i'm talking about what i mean is that there is a continuum on all types of health so just as you can be unhealthy physically like in the hospital and need doctor support Mm -hmm. or you can just be somebody who is barely healthy okay but sort of sits on the sofa too much like there's that that huge continuum right and if you're sitting on the sofa and you just need to get more active um that's a very different thing than if you need like a kidney transplant like so we're not but the same thing happens on mental health when i talk about mental health i talk about mental it's about mental fitness it's about um if you think about sort of depression and anxiety being like that pit that you fall into really deep down and that's where you need the doctor health and you need more intervention what i'm talking about are all the steps up to the cavern that you fall into so mm-hmm. you know most of us are like 50 steps from that cavern right and if you know oh i woke up today and i'm 45 steps from the cavern what are the things that you can take steps that you can do for yourself that help you bring you back to 50 so we're we're not yeah we're not talking about mental health as like pathology yeah. uh, I'm talking about mental health as in mental fitness. I'm talking about mental health as in like the relationship you have with yourself in your head. So your self-talk. And I'm talking about creating somebody that you want to live with, right? I say to my clients all the time, like we have these roommates in our head that if we actually lived with that person, like they're so negative and and mean and belittling, we'd be like, get out of my house. Like you're not allowed to be my roommate. But for some reason, we allow them to stay in here, even though they're not helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And that sort of being able to catch yourself and say, okay, like, is this a helpful thought? Is this not? Is this productive? Is this not? That's a muscle. It's like doing bicep curls. Like you're not going to get stronger biceps by doing like one bicep curl. It's consistency. You're not going to get a stronger heart and lungs by going for a walk once. You're not going to get a better mindset by listening to one audio book on, you know, healthy minds. It is a journey. It's a continuum. And it's consistency with all things makes a difference. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. You've got to get it stronger. You have to get the muscle stronger that says, oh, interesting. I'm having this negative thought. Okay, no, we're going to park that. One of the things I'm really into right now is this idea of like parking. So if you my one of my emotions that I feel is my natural emotion is this irritation, especially with my partner, James. I feel like irritation, I go to that automatically. (laughs) Right. What I'm saying myself now is, okay, that's the emotion you go to first. You can always come back to that emotion, right? So let's park it and let's try another emotion. Let's try generosity. Let's try curiosity. Let's try love. Let's try any of these things. And if after 20 minutes of being curious of saying like, oh, was your day okay? Like, are you late because, you know, you got stuck at work? Was your boss yelling at you? Whatever. If the curiosity doesn't work, like if he still gives you something to be actually irritated about, you can go back to irritation, right? (laughs) You can say to yourself, okay, the cookie will always be there. So let's park that desire and let's try something else. You know, let's play a board game and let's go for a walk. Let's listen to music and like dance around the house. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think that's a really important point to make. When I talk about mental health and, and mental fitness and mindset, we're talking about um, it on the continuum and we're sort of on the healthier end of the continuum. You know? Yeah. And um, if you are somebody who has clinical depression, then these tools can be used in conjunction um, with your doctorate and all those things. So, um, but it, professional guidance. Professional guidance, exactly. So we're, yeah, this is a totally different things. Of course. No, I just wanted to make sure that we were being very clear for our listeners as well. Yeah, no, I'm very glad you made that point because I think the thing about it is that in my mind, it's so obvious because I deal, like I think about this every day, like every moment. It's like, okay, Kathleen, what are you thinking now? What can you be aware of? Like, what can you learn? And so I remember, actually, it's an interesting, I had a conversation with a client a couple days ago and he's, I said something about my therapist and he's like, you're in therapy? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, why would you be in therapy? And I was like, well, because I believe that like how I think is something that I want to work on every single day and I'm going to be in therapy. I only go once a month, but it's like a really nice touchstone for me. And mm-hmm. I want to do that until the day I die. And he just looked at me and he's like, mm, 
no, that doesn't make sense to me. And <laughs> but that's okay because he. Well, no, it's totally okay. But I guess my point only is it's it's because he connects therapy with like fixing a pathology, whereas I connect therapy to sort of this idea of going to see a personal trainer to get some tools. Like I, you know, I don't go to my therapist and talk about it's not deep analysis. It's I go to her and I say, okay, this is a problem. It's almost more like coaching. Like this is the problem. How do we fix it? What are some strategies? Yeah. And she might say, it's like maintenance or tools. Yeah. Or she'll say like, you know, what would be a really good book for you to read is this, like she's the one who told me to read Carol Dweck. So I think when you start to think about sort of mental health and mental fitness as um, just like increasing the tools in your toolbox of how to think productively, then it's, it's more, then it's more approachable for like as a daily thing. Yeah. No, that completely makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, I, um, unfortunately, we have to wrap this up. <laughs> we could talk for like five I years. We need to I know. <laughs> I feel like we need to have like a weekly or something because we yeah. have so much to talk about always. But we do have to wrap this up. But before we do, um, I am so excited to share about your book. So please tell our listeners how, if they are interested in purchasing their book, where they can go to get it, as well as how they can find out more information about you. So my website is kathleentrotter.com. Uh, I would love if you go uh, sign up. I have a monthly newsletter that's full of lots of tips and recipes and exercise of the month. But you can also, um, there are, is a link on my website to get to buy the book. But the link is basically just going to take you to Amazon. So you might as well just go to amazon.ca. Uh, both <laughs> my books are on there. It's also on Indigo, basically anywhere um, that books are sold. Um, and, you know, you can find me on Twitter, K Trotter Fitness. On Instagram, it's Kathleen Trotter Fitness. Um, I'm, I really try to be active on social media um, and I love, 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 love hearing from people. So if you have a question, if this podcast is like, oh, I don't know, Kathleen, you said this and that doesn't really make sense. Just go to my website, email me through my website and send me a question and be like, why did you say that? That's ridiculous. And then I'll explain um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, you know, give you some links or references to explain what I'm talking about. And I also on my website, there's the book reviews and there's also I have a whole section called Pockets of Joy where I look at different things that have inspired me to be happy. So outside of the book realm. So it could be something like, I love Christmas. So different Christmas things that make me happy or like, yeah. you know, there's a song on there with the soundtrack to ballers. I love that song. So there's like a video of me dancing and creating my joy through that. So yeah, there's lots of places to find me on the interwide web. And mm -hmm. uh, I have YouTube videos with one of my friends and fellow trainers, Harry, and we do that every Friday. They go out on all my social media. You can get that on my YouTube channel and on my website. So yeah, keep in touch. And um, yeah, I love hearing from everybody. And check out our book. <laughs> yeah, talk about my book, Your Fittest Future Self. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, as always, thank you, Kathleen. It's so nice to always chat with you. My absolute pleasure. And for everyone listening, thank you so much. And of course, you could also, if you're interested in learning more about our certification program, please make sure to check out fitchicksacademy.com, where we have two upcoming certifications um, with our fitness and nutrition expert certification, as well as our holistic nutrition weight loss expert. All right. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thank you again for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you so much for listening today. Now, please remember to head over to fitchicksacademy.com where you can find out more information about our upcoming fitness and nutrition expert certification program. The program starts on March 27th, and we would love to have you so that we can help you build the life, health, and career that you love.